Hi everyone, my name is Mayor Verk and welcome to Life on the Farm. Hi everyone and welcome back to a new episode of Life on the Farm. For those of you who are new here, my name is Mare and I'm a first year acute care pharmacy resident and today's episode is going to be sharing with you all my SICU, otherwise known as surgical ICU, rotation experience. This was my fourth rotation as a resident and it came at the perfect time. For those of you who have been following along, you know that my clinical interests were either in emergency medicine or critical care. And so this rotation offered me a week to really test out what it would be like to be a critical care pharmacist before making a decision of which program I wanted to early commit to. And so for me, uh, the outcome now being decided. I ended up going with emergency medicine, but I am so glad that I took this rotation and I'll talk a little bit more about it in the episode, the reasonings why I chose it. But in our program in particular, we have to take two ICU rotations as a part of our core rotations. And so SICU was the first one and burn was my second one, which I'll talk about in a later episode. But SICU was a fantastic opportunity to see where my patients end up after the emergency department. And I took a lot of invaluable experience from this. The critical care group at my institution is filled with phenomenal teachers. They all go above and beyond to not only teach uh, when there's time to teach, but also in the moment. And I really appreciate the uh, real-time feedback that they also incorporate into their teaching style. So definitely one of the biggest turning points, I think, in my residency career was really taking on that rotation. And as I always do, I talk about the title of the episode, and today's is Sleepless in SICU, which is a play off of Sleepless in Seattle, because for those of you who know me, I feel like I alternate from being a super morning person to like a super night person. And so sometimes I'll be on this whole train of like waking up early and working out and then going to bed at a reasonable time. And then other time I'm on this whole train of waking up when I need to go for rotation and then coming home and then staying up really late to take care of things. But I really like the nighttime. So I think that's where I tend to be. But this rotation did not allow for that as I had table rounds physically that I needed to be at at 6 a.m. So I would wake up in the dark. I would drive in the dark. I would walk in in the dark. I'd be working at my patients in the dark. So there was a lot happening um, in the veil of the night. But honestly, it was a great opportunity to better understand what it would mean to be a critical care pharmacist, like I already said. And the relationships I built there, the ability to understand how to triage patients coming in from the ED and following them through their surgical course, I think is invaluable. And I think especially at that point when I was figuring out where I could see myself in the long run, really came at the right time to show me what the true differences are. And so I'll touch upon all of that and more. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it. So the first thing I want to talk about is why I took this rotation. I kind of alluded to it. We have to take two ICU rotations. We have eight different ICUs to pick from. And the reason that I took SICU is that with my interest in emergency medicine, especially with trauma response, I was interested to see where our trauma patients go once they've been stabilized in the ED. And the surgical ICU is the team that picks up and admits all of those patients. And so a lot of those motor vehicle accidents, motorcycle crashes, those crazy falls, um, all of those different things like that, this service, SICU, is the one that would pick up these patients. And so I really wanted to follow along and be in that critical care arena to see what we do in the latter part of someone presenting. It's also a great mix of acute care as well as uh, long-term care patients. So we have patients who come in for simple surgeries even, 
Um, it really just depends. And so they're quickly in and out, or maybe they have a small fracture and they end up getting uh, it taken care of, and then they're quickly downgraded. But we also have these patients who have obviously very traumatic injuries and are there for long periods of time. So it's this mix between patients who are constantly moving in and out of the unit, on and off the floor, as well as these long-term patients where we're really managing the nitty gritty. So those fast hugs, BID, their sedation, their pain, all of that good bread and butter ICU type of things. We're really looking into it with these patients. This was also very much a surgery rotation. And I know that sounds a little bit silly to say since it is a surgical ICU rotation, but if you've ever taken a surgery rotation before, uh, you'll know that there is a lot of different moving parts and a lot of different players that come into it. So there's not only the primary team, but we also have the surgeons who take care of the patient. And so there's a lot of collaboration and needing to come together to figure out a plan as well as very high turnover. So it's very fast paced, a lot to take into consideration, and you're sort of at the nexus of it as the pharmacist to make the right clinical decisions. So in this rotation, we have multiple ICU pharmacists in our institution and one would round with us each day. Uh, there was one assigned to SICU, like I just mentioned, and um, on this rotation in particular, I actually had the fortune of being able to work with the emergency medicine PGY2 I had just been on rotation with in the emergency department uh, to be my direct, I guess, superior, to be my preceptor. So that was really fun. He and I had an opportunity to work together again. And then during this first week of the rotation, I actually had an appy student. So this was my first time being in a clinical area where I was the preceptor for somebody who was taking care of uh, patients I was also seeing. And so that was also in itself kind of a juggling act of not only taking care of my own patients, but making sure I checked in with the student and so that they could feel like they have autonomy over their patients um, while being their backup and being able to be that sounding board for them. Otherwise, the rest of the team was made up of the medical side. So we had two medical interns, which are first-year medical residents. We had two surgery second years, and then we had, an, we had another surgery second year who would do the overnight uh, coverage. We would have a trauma NP, the surgery fellow, as well as the attending. So we were a really big team. We rolled really deep, not only in our own unit. So we have a trauma surgical ICU at our institution, but we also have patients throughout the hospital. Um, so in other units, but our unit, we would always fill up the entire aisleways. And then when we get in the elevators, it was basically all of us taking up the space. And so I remember we'd walk by nurses stations and other units and they'd be like, wow, there's so many of you. And that's, I think one of the biggest perks of being at an academic medical center is just having that opportunity to be surrounded by other learners and definitely something I was looking for in residency. And so that will go ahead and take us into kind of what a day in the life looks like with all these different players. So as I alluded to, and as the title so graciously points out, it was a very early start on a day in SICU. And so the first thing I would do is I would wake up around 5.15, I think, is when I would set my alarm. I set my alarms neurotically, like every five minutes for about like the 30 minutes leading up to when I need to be awake. So that started around 4.45, and then I would actually wake up at 5.15. Um, and the thing that we had to do first in the day is that we would have table rounds. So table rounds is where we would sit in the conference room. It would be myself, the EMPGY2, our student, um, the overnight surgery resident, the two-day residents, the two interns, the NP. It was basically the entire team shows up at 6 a.m. to get handoff from the night team so that when we do rounds during the day, we know kind of what's new and what's happening. And especially in surgery, because a lot of them tend to be scheduled in the morning, we like to get this kind of settled and situated early on. 
Uh, we do answer a couple of questions, talk about patients, things like that. So while I haven't worked everyone up yet, we do kind of have some discussions about plans and things like that. So it's good to be able to recall what we talked about the day prior about a patient or uh, kind of take that time during those table rounds to look into any of the overnight events, labs, things like that. After table rounds, we all part ways. And so myself, the preceptor I had, and then the student would divvy up patients. So the PGY2 and I would split the service essentially, and then I would take the student on a couple of my own patients, which I think worked out really well. From about 6.45 to 8 o'clock, we would work up our patients. And then uh, for myself personally, uh, being a licensed pharmacist and whatnot, you definitely have the ability to do a little bit more to help out your team. So something I would do for small changes uh, like duration of therapy for antibiotics or escalating bowel regimens or changing meds from IV to PO. Some of these things we have collaborative practice agreements on where pharmacists can go ahead and make those changes such as IV to PO, especially if the patient's um, nutritional status or their swallow study came back. Um, the other things that you can do are saving work, which is what I just talked about which is going in and under orders, you're able to save work for the physician to look at and they can decide if they want to sign it or not. Every institution is completely different. Every team is very different. This is very much on a case-to-case basis, but as I got more comfortable with the residents I was with and with the fast-paced environment of the ICU and kind of knowing where things are, I felt more comfortable saving work. This is not something I did on every rotation. That's definitely not the way a lot of other teams do things, Um, but I think this was very helpful. Again, it gives the physician the opportunity to take a look at those changes, decide if they want to do that. It's also a reminder, so if you're on rounds, uh, you can save work for them so that they remember to look at it, Um, and then if that way they want to do something else they can always discard it but again super important to have that double check so you're not just placing your own orders and verifying the physician needs to be the one to uh, sign the order so then the pharmacist yourself can go ahead and verify it while doing our workups uh, basically just making sure that i have my list of recommendations If there was time, I would try to run through them with my preceptor since, again, first time being in an ICU as a licensed pharmacist. So you definitely want to learn the lay of the land, watch your preceptor, kind of pick up on what the team uh, is focused on, maybe some of their blind spots and where you can help fill in. And of course, I mean, just be a pharmacist. So show up, know your drugs, know your indications, um, know your dosing, knowing what the plan's going to be and really thinking forward. What are we doing next? Considering plans B through Z, not just focusing on plan A. And I think the ICU definitely lends itself to that. And then probably one of the craziest parts about this rotation in particular is how long rounds last. And for good reason. Something I didn't mention before is that our service can span anywhere from I think the lowest I saw was 12 patients to the most I saw was 28. So we have a wide range. We could have a huge number to a small number of patients come in. And so our rounds go anywhere from 8 a.m. to about 11 to 12. I think the latest they ever ran was like 1230. Um, which is totally fine. Again, a learning opportunity, definitely great for the blood flow. Um, Definitely had to get creative with taking sitting breaks when possible or um, just being able to set my laptop somewhere. And so these are all bedside rounds. And the way they would normally work is that we start in the unit. It's a horseshoe shape, so we would go all the way around there. And then we would go to our patients um, in the other areas of the hospital. And so the way that it works, for those of you who aren't familiar, is that at each bedside, there is either a resident, intern, or the NP who's in charge of that patient. They present, they discuss, 
they tend they may ask questions out being like wondering if we have any collaborative ideas uh, or we go ahead and speak up and offer maybe some insight and some recommendations about the things that we notice as well um, and so for me there's also a lot of teaching on these which i really enjoy because the surgical icu is a place where there is surgery on parts of the body and names of things that I did not know existed. And that's totally fine. And it's a huge learning curve because these are surgeons also. Um, the attending is a, the fellow is a surgeon, the attending is a surgeon. And so you have the residents are surgeons. And so everyone's using a lot of this lingo and jargon. And so the teaching that they do, I found to be really helpful to help me like catch up um, on the fly. And so they also take a lot of time to talk about the entirety of the course of the hospital stay, especially if it's one of our long-term patients. We often revisit old ideas, things that have happened in the past. And so there's just a lot of conversation and a lot of like in-depth analysis. And I think that's definitely important. It's definitely different than a lot of the other services. Um, but I also think it contributes to really just trying to figure out the optimal way of handling things. And so a new type of environment, uh, to say the least. But I think what that allows myself to do as a pharmacy resident is to uh, take advantage of this time that we have where things are a little bit slowed down, where we're discussing um, going back and forth between some things, labs like that. And so for me, one of my biggest tips, especially in a service where rounds go for so long, and I know I won't have much time afterwards, is to really utilize this time to make sure that my notes are done. When rounds are done, I want all of my notes, my handoffs to be done so that after rounds, I'm focusing purely on patient follow-up and anything that I need to take care of outside of like the documentation part. Of course, there are things that you can't do and that's totally fine um, at that moment. You need to wait a little while. But something that really helps me is using dot phrases. And so one of the best ways that you can really assimilate to a service quickly is to look at the way that your preceptor or the other pharmacists write their notes and create a dot phrase that emulates the way that they write their notes so that you can simply uh, click through the different fill in the blanks and type in the important information. This obviously just serves as a baseline. Each patient is different in their problems and their disease state, so you want to be mindful of that. But overall, this will help you create your structure without having to worry about any formatting issues or things like that every time you approach a new patient. The other thing we do while rounding is verifying orders. So this is really important. I think one of the biggest aspects of a residency is managing your patients and really being their primary provider. So while we're on rounds, I'm not only verifying orders, again, saving work where I feel like it's necessary, um, but also touching base on maybe orders that were entered incorrectly or being able to speak up and make these quick adjustments rather than letting them sit and wait until the end. So really it is about taking initiative, really stepping up into your own. And again, something I think that the critical care pharmacists do a great job of is really allowing you to own your own practice. And so pushing you to do that and handle all of those things not only gets you used to seeing these orders and verifying them, but it also helps to build your rapport with the team and puts a face to a name so that you all have to continue to interact and they know who they can go to for certain patients. And so since I'm not following the entire team, I think that was very much an important aspect of it. So then on rounds, the other thing that comes up, and like I mentioned, is giving recommendations. So this is where we show our value as pharmacists. We do so much for the team, but being able to point out some of the things that they may or may not have seen themselves or may or may not need guidance on, I think is incredibly useful and one of my favorite parts about being inpatient. And so for me, I start with the really big things. So changes to pain and sedation for our intubated patients, um, answering any questions that the team may have about making any alterations for like delirium management or um, other different things we see in the ICU. 
I am also sure though that for any of that saved work I mentioned to then bring it up that I made all of these changes that is now saved and whenever they have a chance they can take a look. Oftentimes once you start to get into the rhythm of things with the team you'll notice that the things you start saving show up in your orders to verify and you start to get into this rhythm together where everyone kind of knows what's going on who's doing what and it's really cool and I really strive to hit that point early on. By the end of the first week is usually what I'm shooting for but again the teams can change. Uh, there's so many moving parts, so there's no pressure on yourself to make it um, a strict goal. Moving on to the rest of the day. So after about 1230-ish uh, rounds with Anne, I'd quickly eat lunch and follow up on anything I needed to for my patients. So having ICU patients, I would touch base with the TPN pharmacist to make sure that my patients are on their radar, follow up on any antibiotic questions I might have. The SICU was the first place I think I saw some of the craziest things I've seen grow. And so touching base with ID, if I had any questions, I really wanted to take it upon myself and take the initiative to do that. Doing any uh, med recs that needed to be taken care of, uh, checking any home meds, uh, running any prescription coverages, keep verifying orders, keeping my eye on that until the end of my day, um, and then making sure that my notes are all done. So this is what I would do predominantly in the afternoon. And the other things that I think is really important and a huge part of residency is obviously learning. And so the afternoons were often blocked off for topic discussions. And these were in a lecture style format, which I really like, not because I don't see the utility in creating your own topic discussion and leading them, but they're often things that I don't know that I don't know, you know? And so for me, having somebody who knows a lot about these things and who's already created material for it, it can walk you through it. I think it takes me back to my pharmacy school days and it's like a great reminder because in residency, you so often get caught up in the managing your patients and like the autonomy and things like that. But I think it's also really important to revisit and to understand this idea that while we do know a lot more than we did previously, we are still in this huge learning phase. And so being able to get introduction to as much new material and to revisit old topics as possible uh, can only help us. And so I really like that. We also did a lot of informal discussions. So just like out in the unit in the afternoon, our preceptor would come out, be myself, my PGY2 preceptor, and then the student. And we would just talk about the day. We just each do maybe a patient presentation, kind of talk through the different things and nuances. And for me, I found that to be really beneficial. I'm a huge real-time learner. I'm a big proponent of kind of like following things as they're happening, not really like visiting old ideas. And so for me to kind of like not only be exposed to my own patients, but then to also hear the other's patients and being able to uh, learn from some of the trials and tribulations they're facing, I think was really invaluable for myself. And with that, we'll go ahead and talk about some of my interesting cases. So there's no better way to talk about the interesting cases in the SICU than to start off with what happened on my first day. Literally within the first 15 minutes, actually, of me being on this rotation, I went to a code. And like I mentioned, starts at 6 a.m. So this was at like 6.15 in the morning. So let me set the scene a little bit. I am walking into my first day of rounds. The student was there. The PGY2 was not there that day. I was with all the surgery residents, the trauma NP, the surgery fellow, and that was us. We were all sitting in the room running through patients. I had just gotten added to the list. I was trying to read through as much as I can, figure out which patients I was going to pick up, so on and so forth. And during this first 15 minutes, the nurse came in and asked the fellow to go check on a patient, which they did came back, said everything was fine, things like that. And not two minutes later, the same nurse comes in, says that they're calling a code blue, and we all get up and run to the bedside. 
And so my first code was by myself in the SICU at 6.15 in the morning. And by myself, I mean for about a whole 30 seconds, I opened the crash cart up, got to be the pharmacy presence, which I think is fantastic. Um, But the great thing about being 6.15 in the morning was that I actually still had the ICU overnight pharmacist backup coverage uh, pharmacist respond to the code nonetheless. So she and I had worked together previously when I did overnights in emergency medicine. And so it's really great to see her. And considering the fact that I have run a code semi by myself, when the fact that like I did everything, but my preceptor was there, I felt comfortable stepping up in this situation, especially because I was the only pharmacist in the area. So I set everything up, uh, gave the first dose, things like that. But the biggest first dose of epi that is. And the biggest difference though that I noticed between emergency medicine and the ICU was just how involved pharmacy was in the room bedside communicating. And I definitely saw that more so being the case in the emergency department. Again, it's just the environment and it was something that I realized I definitely wanted to be a part of my practice, Uh, but it was still great nonetheless to be able to contribute from the outside of the room to pass things in, to do the timing and whatnot. Um, But definitely that communication between provider and pharmacist, I think, is definitely elevated in the emergency room. And so that was crazy. I not only saw that pharmacist, then the critical care pharmacist for that day came and so on and so forth. And so we had our very first code as a team together, which nothing brings people together like emergency response. Um, And so we ran that in 15 minutes. And so that was the craziest way. It definitely woke me up. And I was now prepared every morning for the entire rest of that month to run to a code. And I think that kind of just speaks to the entire experience itself. I think one of the cool things about being in a huge hospital like the one I'm at is that there are opportunities to see codes and to be a part of that response. Cool, again, being a very subjective term. I mean, cool in the sense that if it's going to happen, um, I think it's a great learning opportunity. Would obviously never wish that upon somebody. Um, but the opportunity to really like participate in that is made me want to do emergency medicine that much more since we do get a lot of that intake from the public. And so basically the theme of the rest of this rotation was it was code blues. Like this was the most code blues I'd have even outside of the ED. I think I'm a white cloud. I think I'm going to officially deem myself that a white cloud, both well, at least in the emergency department. I don't know about the sick you per se, but sick you, I cannot tell you how many flights of stairs I ran on this rotation. Like it is actually insane. Our trauma surgical ICU is on the second floor. The number of times I would run to our other ICU on the seventh floor or on the fifth floor and like up and down in between, it was crazy. You would think I, I need to run. And honestly, I was like totally fine, except like when you get up there and then like you have to be the one that also like does the meds and stuff. And you're just like, okay, cool. I can definitely do this. Between the adrenaline and just like the, the actually having to run that many flights of stairs, it was just like a whole thing. And it made me like, be appreciative of the fact that I still had some capacity to like run and be physical. Um, but no, it was, it was really cool to be able to kind of handle all of these different situations because like I mentioned, we have so many different, I guess, ways that people end up on our service. And so to kind of be able to handle these things and run through the differentials of what could possibly be causing them to code, I think is really important and it really helped me to grow and learn a lot more. I was with the emergency medicine PGY2. So being able to have these discussions back and forth, I think also really opened my eyes to a lot of the different things we consider. Even just being in the ICU, um, we then established like the maintenance and what we're going to do long-term. And then I'm following up with those patients. And so it's very different. And I liked kind of like being a part of that and being able to like set them up for what I was going to see in the next coming days. So a lot of codes, which I thought was very interesting. And 
I think one of the unique things about being on the service is that you can kind of tell how people are doing and whatnot. And so when you hear overhead where the location of a code is, you can almost figure out if it's your patient or not purely based off that. And so that gave me a huge like understanding of where I needed to be. And that's why I would constantly like just head straight for them because I would know whether or not we had a patient there. And so I think being on your toes and knowing your, where your patients are located can also really help you um, be a part of that first response and just like keeping your eyes and ears out no matter how early in the day it is to whatever may be going on around you will really provide you benefit. The other really cool interaction and probably the biggest one that left the biggest impact on myself was that during my second week, I had a patient come in, a young gentleman who had been in a pretty crazy motor vehicle accident. And I followed him from intake, so all the way from his very first surgery when I came in that morning to the very end of my rotation, so about three weeks later. And I watched him go from being on a vent to managing his pain, his sedation, to him needing adjustments almost on a daily basis on adding things, removing things, changing things, this entire course. And on my second to last day of this rotation, he sat up in bed for the first time and waved out, actually, and I was in absolute utter shock just like watching him because he had truly been through so so much and to like see him sit up like it really took me back because this is also a service in which we see a lot of young patients um trauma can happen to anyone but this is where i feel like i saw the youngest patients i'd seen to date and so to see someone younger than me uh go through what he had been through and then to sit up in that bed and be ready to go to rehab and like to know that all of the different things that I made changes for him for and like followed through his course to see him get better it was really rewarding. And that's not something that I often see in the emergency department. Um, you usually stabilize people and send them um, on their way for a higher level of care. And I love that part. I love the high turnover and the fast paced environment and just being able to have my hands on as many things as possible. But I think for a second, I was really taken aback by how much I was touched by the fact that I could actually see the work I had done come to life, almost literally. And to see this person go from where they started to being on their way out of the unit, I think it really affirmed for me what I think any pharmacy resident goes through. And it's that you're capable and that what you're doing is right and that you are more of a pharmacist than you give yourself credit for. And obviously I had assistance and guidance from my preceptors and things like that. But to watch this person um, just turn the corner in a huge way and be on their way to being almost back at baseline. Uh, it was crazy. And it's a moment that I'll never forget. I remember like physically feeling my smile under my mask because I was so happy and so proud of this person. And like, he has no idea, right? Like that I'm his pharmacist and I'm the one that like follows him every single day and things like that. But like, I just felt so, so proud of the stranger who I kind of grown to know more closely probably than any other person would in that way. And I was just really happy to have been a part of that experience. And I think being in the SICU and having that rotation be when it was really nailed down for me that I really love critical care medicine, whether that be the ICU or emergency medicine. But at the end of the day, EM is where my heart lies. And so I was really grateful though that SICU gave me the opportunity to be a part of this patient's care. And before we go ahead and end today's episode, I wanted to go ahead and make some observations about this rotation experience, what I learned about myself, some tips and tricks for any of you out there who may be interested in taking this rotation as an API student, who may have it on your schedule and you're really nervous about it. If you're a pharmacy resident trying to figure out if critical care is something you want to pursue later on, or maybe you have an upcoming rotation or one in your future year. 
But for myself personally, ICU for me is really exciting because it really puts to the test all of your pharmacy training. You are covering a bunch of different disease states in almost every organ system, and you're managing them on a daily basis. I know it can be really daunting and overwhelming at first, but once you get the hang of it and really understand Fast Hugs BID, I urge you to Google that if you haven't and you don't know what it is. But really using that as a framework, as a skeleton and building off of it, you truly learn so, so much. And there's so much nitty gritty about it. Again, I think that can be really scary for people, but I think shifting your perspective to making this a really fun opportunity for you to really learn about so many different types of things that quite frankly, I didn't really learn too much about in pharmacy school is really what excited me about crit care. For those of you who don't know, I actually didn't have a gen med rotation as an appy student. I actually had an ICU rotation and that pharmacist, my preceptor was the absolute reason that I even thought of doing critical care. She was phenomenal. She absolutely changed the trajectory of my pharmacy journey. And without her, I would never have considered critical care, nor do I think I would have loved EM as much as I did with such a strong crit care background with that rotation. And so for me, the other thing to think about with uh, ICU and just a way to frame what you may be going into is that surgical ICU in particular, at least, is a lot of different consulting services. So we not only have the surgery team, but oftentimes we would work with trauma. We would have surgery team, of course, neuro. So many different teams would come in. And so as a pharmacist, it's your job to make sure that all of their recommendations jive with one another. There's nothing competing to look out for any interactions, things like that, making sure that what needs to be implemented is do we agree with durations of therapy for anticoagulation, for antiplatelets, for antibiotics, things like that. So there's a lot of different things going on, a lot of juggling, if you will. So um, at the end of the day, it really just comes down to leaning into your own practice and your own learning. And I think that that's a huge draw of critical care and ICU and a reason I would suggest doing it. Another really cool part about this rotation is that we would collaborate with the pediatric service anytime we had a peds patient. So this was really my first time managing a peds patient. I never had a rotation in pediatrics as a student. And I actually have my general peds rotation last in my PGY one year, but with an interest in um, emergency medicine, both for the adult and the pediatric populations, it was really great to kind of get this slow intro. We'd have maybe one patient, two max at a time on this service. And so being able to really understand their care, break things down, uh, look at the approach that my preceptor would make to this patient, I think was really beneficial and has set me up to feel a lot more comfortable with peds patients um, when I do encounter them. The other thing is that ICU rounds, like I mentioned, are no jokes. You definitely need your stamina for this. And so for me during this rotation, sleep was really important. I had to put an extra effort to make sure I was going to bed by 10 p.m. Uh, also making sure that I tried to eat something before rounds because eating during rounds was basically impossible since we were rounding bedside. I didn't want to take my mask off to eat. Plus, I was so busy doing other things. There really wasn't time. Uh, making sure that you're well hydrated throughout. And I know that sounds silly and like a general thing, but like going three to four hours standing up, not drinking water, things like that, you can definitely start to feel like low-key hypotensive. I don't know, but at the end of the day, you should look out for your health and things like that. And ICU can feel like a really intense experience as well because you are doing so much and so much is happening all at the same time. Um, so making sure that you take care of yourself and things like that. Um, but the other thing that I want to point out and a big way I think that you can really maximize your opportunity in the ICU is that if you're on a service with a really big patient load is at least for myself personally, since I had a PGY2 in emergency medicine with me, 
We were able to split up the service since we're both pharmacists and we're able to manage our own patients. But something that I would do is while we were rounding on the PGY2's patients, I would still keep an ear out for what they were discussing, some of the hurdles that they were facing, the discussions they were having with the PGY2. That way, I kind of knew how to handle a lot of different things that were happening to patients outside of the ones I was following. Because you start to get really used to kind of the plan, the idea of what's happening for your patients. And... uh, start to understand kind of their disease state and get familiar with it, especially those who stick around for a little while longer. But something to help you uh, stay on your toes to really be involved and engaged um, is to keep an ear out for the other patients on the service, kind of understand their general uh, predis- their general admission, like why they're there, um, some of the things that the team may be struggling with, and then listen in on what the ideas and the suggestions are. And so then this way, I was getting the learning of an entire patient service Uh, while only managing about half of them. And I think for me as a PGY1, that was really invaluable because the idea is that someday, one day, who knows, um, I'm able to manage that many patients. Obviously, the emergency department's very different, but had I gone the critical care path, there is just one pharmacist who covers a service that large. And so being able to really pick up those skills and maximize and optimize the way that you learn, um, it takes active engagement, but I think pays off in the long run. And that will go ahead and wrap up today's episode. And I hope that you and your loved ones are continuing to stay safe and healthy. If you ever have any questions about my experience or ever want to reach out about any other things that I talk about, you can always find me on Instagram at mayor.verk or at life on the farm podcast. But until I see you all again, hope you're doing well and talk to you soon. Bye.